Welcome back to the first return of the... What, what's the name of my show? Oh, right. Welcome back to the Attack of the B-Movies podcast. Wow, it's been a long time. Uh, we have a new website. Well, we're on a new website. We're hosting the podcast ourselves, and I need to do the XML links and everything for iTunes. Um, yeah, I decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record something. I haven't recorded in a while, and I just did a, just did a, sh- a show with... Uh, somebody else and when it's published I'll let, or when it's when it's posted I'll let you know so you guys can check it out really nice guy we talked about uh, we ranked the original Star Trek movies we still got a lot of work to go on the newer ones but still so I decided you know I feel like recording and I'm going to record for the first time in a while and I just watched I just watched a nice eight nineteen eighty nine B movie. Or I consider it a B movie. And it's really sad cons- to say it's a B movie considering it stars Mark Hamill built straight out of well not straight, but relatively fresh off of Return of the Jedi. Bill Paxton, relatively fresh out of uh, Alien Aliens, sorry. Um, let's see who else is in it. Bob Peck, Kitty Aldridge, Ben Kingsley, F. Murray Abraham. It's directed by um, Steven Lisberger, who directed Tron and it's produced by Gary Kurtz, who used to work with George Lucas. In fact, he worked on the first two Star Wars films and, and the movie American Graffiti. Uh, it actually re- reunited him with Mark Hamill. So, this movie has all the right elements to be a good movie. And, oh my God, do I think it sucked. Not sucked. I mean, that's, that's a bad way of putting it. Most of the acting was good, and most of the, um, the direction was good and everything. It just seems like the plot was a mess to me. So, um, without further ado, as they say in the theater, or maybe they don't, I'm not a theater person, I, I, I talk about crappy, I talk about movies people think are crap, so I mean, you know, what do I know? Um, without further ado, here is my synopsis of Slipstream. So, like I said, Slipstream is a 1989 movie with uh, Mark Hamill and um, Bill Paxton and Bob Pack and some other ones. And I don't know why, but I always thought this was a science fiction movie set in space. I, maybe because I saw Mark Hamill in it, and I saw Bill Paxton, or Paxton rather, and I was like, oh no, Paxton, I had it right. And I was like, oh, cool, it's got to be an outer space movie. It is not. It takes place on Earth after a an apocalyptic event called the Harmonic Convergence, where drastic climate change sweeps away civilization as we know it. Uh, there is a vast wind current that encircles the globe, and the scattered settlements of the survivors are trying to keep humanity going, and the same old, same old. So here's the problem, is that the vast wind current, to me, sounds extremely like the jet stream. I guess it's supposed to be more powerful than the jet stream, but let's be fair, it's the jet stream. Um... So when the movie starts, we see a man running down a canyon, a la North by Northwest, I want to say, getting chased by an airplane. And he gets cornered, the plane lands, and two bounty hunters come out. Uh, first one is... Uh, wow, i got to stop saying, uh. First one is Will Tasker, who's played by our good friend, Mark Hamill. And the other one is Belitsky. And I don't remember which female lead plays Belitsky... But I can find out, and Militsky is played by Kitty Eldridge. That's who it is. So, they uh, they chase him, they shoot him with a grappling hook, and he, um, 
I gotta stop saying he or um. It's really getting annoying, isn't it? I really feel like starting this all over, but I'm this far in, so I will not do it. So uh, I did it again. They shoot the, the they shoot the man who is played by Bob Pack, who you might know from Jurassic Park. Actually, he's on that too. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's very he's been, he was acting for a long time. So he gets shot in the arm, and he just kind of looks down. He's not like he doesn't seem like he's in pain. He doesn't seem like there's anything wrong. He just seems surprised, I guess. Tasker pulls the rope. Guy falls down the side of a ca the canyon. No injuries or anything, So, but it's a movie, right? So that's how things happen. Uh, so as he falls, after he falls, he uh, quotes... Um, uh, what was his name? He quotes from the Avi from um, he was a poet, but he was also an a, a pilot. Oh, uh, John Gillespie, Gillespie McGee Jr. The quote is, "I have slipped the surly bonds of earth, put out my hand, and touched the face of God." So the bounty hunters take the prisoner and they go to this airstrip, and they are they're near him and they go into a diner, which is very similar to the diner in in Mos Eisley. It's a rundown cantina with a lot of ruffians and whatnot. And in there we also see uh, Bill Paxton's character, who is uh, Owen. Owens. Uh, Matt Owens, I believe his name is. So they're trying to... He's standing... So the guy, played by Bob Peck, is standing next to the bounty hunters. And they're, uh, they're eating at the diner. Matt Owens, he's a small-time arms dealer. He flirts with Belitsky, and she almost breaks his arm. So then he, he's, like, trying to make, you know, be like, hey, I, I got some wares for sale, and he's trying to sell stuff to Tasker, and that's when Tasker and Belitsky threaten him, basically, and say, hey, look, we're the remnants of a law... We're, we're what's left of law enforcement. You want to keep trying to, uh, to sell to us? We're going to arrest you. So Tasker grabs some of the stuff anyway, and they head for their plane. Meantime, Owens is talking to some other guy, and he pro he says how that guy's probably got a bounty on his head and a big bounty. And Tas and Owens wants money. He wants to leave and he wants to better himself and everything. So he confronts Belitsky and Tasker up by their plane, and he threatens them. He holds a gun on them. Belitsky shoots him with a dart that they claim is poisoned, and uh, it also has a tracking device. He doesn't know about that. So. Owens takes the guy, um, who doesn't have a name at this point yet, the prisoner, and they get in Owens' plane, and he heads for the slipstream, and he's going to go somewhere they've never gone. So he's going to go to, first he stops, he's going to stop back at his home. So as uh, they're flying, Owens is talking to the prisoner, and the prisoner quotes, a po quotes some uh, poetry by, by Byron, the poet Byron. And because of a misunderstanding, Matt Owen, Matt Owens believes that his name is Byron. So he starts calling him Byron. So the rest of the movie is known as Byron. So they land in Hell's Kitchen, Owens' home, and he's starting to wonder about Byron and wonder what is up with Byron and why they wanted him. So I don't know if we find out right away. But I want to say it's right around this time we find out that Byron was being arrested for killing someone. But it was self-defense. So Owens is like, well, you, you did it, you know, it's self-defense. What are you worried about? You know, I'll take you... I'll, but o Owens wants to turn him in for the money. 
But, you know, he tells him you shouldn't have to worry because, you know, he, um, no self-defense. So they get to their, uh, they get to their home, and there's a blind, a blind boy there, and, uh, Owens man, or not Owens, ah, Byron heals him. So Owens really starts wondering what's up with this guy, how'd he heal him, and he makes it sound very nonchalantly, it was something medical. So he thinks he's maybe a doctor, or was a doctor, so they hit the they hit the slipstream again and they get lost. Even though Owen says he knows where he's going, and they land at this um, it's like a cave dwelling, and it's a, run by this cult and they worship the slipstream, and they were attacked by bandits. So Byron helps attempts to help and so does Owens and Byron. They they show him the leader of this cult is a man named Avatar and I believe it's actually played by Ben Kingsley or F Murray uh, no Ben Kingsley. And he lifts this rock off of Avatar, the leader's body, and instead of instead of thanking him in his dying word, he must know that what uh, the big reveal is coming up. He must know that Byron's an android, because we find out Byron's an android because Byron had said that the boy had cataracts and he found a way to save him. So he curses him to the cult and says that basically he curses Byron as being part of. Um, was it what was it exactly? I think it hit was something to the the phrase um, the out of control technology technology that led to the apocalyptic convergence. But no one really explains what led to the convergence or what the convergence was. They mention like continents shifting. They mention a few things, and I'm like that doesn't make I, like I be, I'm sure we're affecting the environment to some aspect. I don't think we can make continents move faster and run into each other. Just saying. So they decide that they're going to. Um, let the wind, let the slipstream take care of Byron. So they tie him to a giant kite, they knock out Owens, and they throw the kite up in the air, and he's in the slipstream getting beat up by, by the um, the wind. So, all up until now, this movie's pretty much Mad Max-ish, right? It's post-apocalyptic, it's kind of um, small settlements of people around, and not, so far it's making sense to me while I'm watching it. it it's He's... You know, Owens wants to reward money. But here's the problem. I'll get to the problems before I wrap up. But, so, the bounty hunters show up. Because the bounty hunters still want the reward. I mean, they're technically the law enforcement, right? So, they show up and they want the reward money. So, they find Owens. And they find out what was going on. And Owen Owens makes a bargain with them to help to work together so they could get Byron down because they need Byron to get down. Um, this is actually when we find out he's an android. Like, you get the hint of it from Avatar when he says it, but this is when we actually hear it because Tasker tells Owens that Byron is an android. So, they make the deal. They, they free Owens. Owens and Belitsky climb up the kite, and now the wind's blowing them away. Or the wind's blowing it, and Byron and Owens decide they're going to escape from with the kite, right? Um, so the kite crashes. Blitzky lets technically lets them escape, and um, another visitor helps them escape also, and she convinces them to. This is what's weird because this woman Ariel know knows what Byron is. So you have the two bounty hunters chasing them for murdering the guy or whatever, or 
even if it's self-defense, whatever the story was. Then Ariel just shows up out of nowhere and is like, oh, come with me to my home and um, I'll help you escape. So, now it gets weird. Because now it starts going off the rails a bit. Now it looks like an 80s music video by, like, Taco or something. Because they go to this... I don't even know. It looks just looks like an 80s music video from England. And if you live in England, don't take offense to that. But a lot of the 80s music videos were had this feel to them like this. It's, like, surrealistic in a sense that they go to this underground dwelling that is a giant museum. It has all, like, there's, there's alcohol, there's booze, there's air conditioning, there's heat. It's a fortified underground museum. And... Byron really is in his element. He loves the historical... He loves the books. He loves everything about this place. Ariel introduces them, and in the background... Well, behind the scenes... Well, not behind the scenes, because we see it. But the leaders aren't happy that she brought people in from outside. But whatever. They, you know... They decide this is the way to go. This is what needs to be done. So Byron really is appreciative of everything that the museum has. And it's ancient contents even though it's, like, from our time. So, um, Ariel starts to starts to fall for Byron, and she becomes attached to him, and they spend the night together. So, Owens, on the other hand, gets drunk and hooks up with just some girl in the community. And, um, the girl convinces Owens that he should free Byron because it's be he's become his friend. And, like, make let him make his choice. Does he want to stay? Does he want to leave? What does he want to do? Now, there was... There was a point in this when I want to say they, the people in this museum area say that they cannot leave again. But they only tell that to Ariel. So later on, Byron's talking to... Um, we find out later on that Byron had killed his master and that he was designed as the man's companion. And the man actually asked him to end his life. So it wasn't really self-defense, but the man asked him to end his life, so he did it. He's programmed not to... Now we get into this murky area, right? We have these quote-unquote laws of robotics everyone likes to throw out there. But the laws of robotics are written in a, by Asimov in a novel. They're not like some hard-coded, like, oh, hang on, you're a robot, but the laws of robotics prevent you from doing that. No. So he was programmed to not harm him, but he insisted he harm him, so he killed him. And then he also, earlier they were talking about how one of the reasons Owens figured out that he was something wasn't right was he never sleeps. So Byron slept after the night for the first time ever, and he was very excited to tell him this. And that he dreamed, he dreamt of a land beyond the slipstream that's all androids. And it, this has been brought up earlier, too, that there's this land somewhere that's all androids, and Byron wants to get there to be with his own people, his own kind. So... Now it's like, I don't know what the plot is anymore. Like, he, um... Owens tells him he's free. The bounty hunters show up. Tasker and Belitsky force their way in. They kill guards. They kill some of the inhabitants. They beat up the curator. Um, he forces everyone else to bring them Byron and Belitsky. Or, yeah, not Belitsky. Byron and Owens. Um, Belitsky finds Owens and shoots him in the chest. He knocks her out and handcuffs her to the bed. When she wakes up, she tells him that, hey, the, the dart I shot you with is the antidote to the poison you were shot with. And it turns out he actually was poisoned. And, um... Hilarity ensues. Now, there's a little bit more action coming up because um, Tasker kills Ariel. There's a, there's a gunfight. And Tasker... And, and Byron's trying to prevent it. And Tasker 
is a real like asshole in this movie. I mean, I, I give I give Mark Hamill credit and Bob Peck credit. They were very good in this movie, and Mark Hamill like looked very like very like Blade Runnerish. Maybe I don't know. He very he looked the part. He looked good, and he was he was pretty good in this. So uh, there's a shootout, and Ariel gets killed, and now that pisses off Byron. Byron goes after him, and the rest is history. You'll you'll see it when you watch the movie. If you watch this one, because honestly, I can't wa- imagine ever watching this again. This movie was very highly touted to me, and on IMDb, it's a four point eight out of a ten, out of ten, which isn't horrible, but it just seems like the plot's kind of going and going. But you, like Bill Paxton's character Owens, you meet all he, you meet his family supposedly, but I don't think he's really his family. I think it's just a conglomeration of people that live together that they call family because of you know the world's in shambles, right? So I'm I'm okay with that. I got no problem with that. It just seems like after they meet the cultists, the movie just goes downhill. Uh, like I said, it's a 4.8 out of 10 on, on IMDb. Slips, or on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 43% and a 22% by the audience. I'm definitely into the 22%. I don't think it's... Um, I was disappointed. And, it, it, and it's... It's weird to say that when you have a movie starring Hamill, Paxton, Peck, Kingsley, Abraham, Kitty Aldridge is very good as an actress. In fact, I hate saying this, the worst acting is is Paxton. He is like this just goofy ass, like, <laughs> like the whole movie. It's like, I, I don't know. I had made the comment on a, um, a Facebook group I'm in. That I'm surprised either him or Paxton got work after this, and the people were kind of offended by it. And they're like, you know, people work really hard to make to feed their family. I'm like, I get that. I, I don't blame the production staff, but we all know that one bad role by an actor could tank them for a while, right? And, and really, realistically, Hamill didn't do a lot more acting after this. He did a lot of voice acting until more recently. So, I just, I just don't know. I, I just. Yeah, I appreciate the pe- what the people did to get into it. There's some cool scenes. Um, Paxton's character is kind of unlikable, even at the end when he's redeemed. Uh, Mark Hamill plays a great jagoff like bounty hunter, and it was a, it was definitely not a role I'm expecting to see him in, and I was happy with it. He looked he he played the part well, but considering the directing and producing and you know. The, the the people that starred in it, you know, I just I I don't I I just I'm surprised it it was as bad as it was. Uh, it was written by Charles Edward Pogue Jr., so I I really don't want to blame him because, I mean, he wrote, The Fly. He he wrote, The Hound of the ba- the 1983 version of The Hound of the Baskervilles. I mean, those are just some of the name, you know, but The Fly was I mean, granted it was a, a remake, but it, it was a good screenplay. So, um, although, to be fair, The Fly is a Cronenberg film, and I think Cronenberg probably put his own twist on a lot of it, too. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, guys. I would, I would not, I I want you to watch Slipstream to see the end of it, or just look up the end of it. I mean, I, I don't really know any other way to tell it to you. I, I, 
I, you know, you guys know me. I usually try to really, really, really try to find some way to defend these movies. And <laughs> I just this one I can't do it. Um, sorry, this podcast sounded a little disjointed. It's the first time I've done this in how long, and I really hope to have a co-host because it's a lot more fun when I have someone I can talk with about the movie. I just don't have anybody. And um, if anybody wants to volunteer, you can find us on Facebook still. You can find us at Potoki Creative, which is ptkycreative.com. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll be back shortly. <laughs>